Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on driving innovation, how to foster a culture of innovation within your team. In it, you'll discover how to set the correct context for innovation, how to embrace diversity and leverage cross-functional working groups, and more. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod248. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am so excited about today's conversation. I am speaking to the founder of Sisters in Sales, the first and only community for women of color sales professionals to network, advance their careers, and find sisterhood. She has extensive sales and sales leadership experience, and uh, like me, is a fellow New Yorker, and so she is self-quarantining in the Bronx, or I suppose uh, sheltering at home in the Bronx while I am in Harlem. So we are so glad to have you on. Welcome to the show, Chantel George. Thank you, Elizabeth. So great to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad you were able to join me. And um, I'm so interested in what it is that you're doing. So I just shared about what you're doing right now with Sisters in Sales. But I'd love if you could talk to our listeners a little bit about um, maybe the journey that you've been on to get to where you are today and where you develop the passion for what it is that you're doing. That's a great question. Or those are great questions. Um, Yeah, I'd love to start at the beginning. Uh, Well, first and foremost, um, when I went to college, I did not think that I was going to end up in sales. I was a Mm pre-law major and I was studying for the LSAT. um, And it seemed like there were only two careers you could pick at the time anyways. It was either being a lawyer or being a doctor. (laughs) And being a Caribbean American, that's what they associated with success. So I was fully into going along that path up until the tech boom started um, in New York. So a lot of these San Francisco tech companies started opening up satellite companies in the city, and they were all looking for salespeople to hit the ground running. And so that summer, I took a chance and said, I'm studying for the LSAT. Let me go ahead and, you know, um, be an account executive or, you know, be an SDR somewhere, make some money, and then I'll come back to the law uh, track eventually. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing that, that pivot for the summer, and I ended up staying in sales. And I realized um, that sales and law did have something in common, right? Um, The power of persuasion, of storytelling. Um, and the, and I, I envisioned myself in like a suit and a briefcase. And I was like, well, why can't that vision translate to sales? I mean, and so I started shifting my perception of sales um, immediately. And then four years later, I ended up still being at that company. Um, and that, so my first role was at Yelp and I grew there. Um, and the more I grew from an in- individual contributor to a sales manager, the more I started realizing that the circle of, above me of, of women that were um, more senior than me, that were also Black women or, or Latina women, were getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And by the fourth year, I was the top salesperson in, in all capacities um, that identified as a Black woman. And it felt very strange because I'd gone into this world um, really coming to the decision that 
sales could give me what I wanted out of life. But then when I entered in this role, I realized it, it looked like I was the only one who thought that in terms of other women who looked like me. And so I figured there was something wrong there, but I wasn't ready to tackle it yet. So I went to a couple other um, startups um, where I just continued pursuing sales and I became a strategic account executive and I started working on the biggest accounts that these companies had to offer. And then finally, I just had a moment. Um, it was my second startup and I realized that the issue was just cyclical. It was starting all over mm -hmm. again. I was the first woman there, um, highest you know, account executive at the time, and there was nobody, nobody coming in after me. So it was at that point, um, about now seven years experience in sales that I decided, I wonder if there are other women of color in sales where they're the only ones in other companies, and if all of us can come together as our sole representative, representer, I suppose, or, or representative, and have a dinner where we just talk about what it's like being the only woman of color seller at our respective companies. And that dinner was the first time we got together. And that was um, the catalyst for Sisters in Sales. I love that story. And that's so powerful. Um, and in some ways, it's just so, it's so sad that you saw um, the lack of representation um, and as you kept climbing further up the chain, you saw you saw those numbers shrinking because that reflects obviously um, the the challenges that people like you faced in the past, um, and whether you know even getting the job in the first place, but but being able to climb. But the fact that you turned that into um, an organization that you're working to help women behind you um, come up is, is really encouraging and exciting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Sisters in Sales? Um, obviously that's, that's the initial kind of history of how the organization started, mm -hmm. but how did you really turn that into, um, an actual organization from like just a series of dinners? Yeah, great question. So after the dinner was done, I used that time to ask all these women questions. Um, I learned more about their industries and uh, we started a text group. <laughs> and um, and so a lot of initiatives kind of just start and die. You know, you have a spark and then it just kind of falls yep. off. But as soon as the dinner was over, the next day I was texting my group. And I was like, hey, I'm ready for event number two. <laughs> and because of how much work it took to get the event number one up and running, this wasn't like dinner at my apartment where I like cook like, you know, um, curry chicken and, you know, some Caribbean mm -hmm. food and I just pass it around. We had a private chef and we rented a space in Harlem and I had gift bags and swag bags and I was really intentional about the run of show for this dinner. And so I think that also got these women inspired and, and, and excited. And so the second event happened by happen chance. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do a panel discussion. And I, I, I met this woman named Amy Frank at an event and she worked at Salesforce and she introduced me to someone on her team named, named Fred Nee Shields who also worked at Salesforce at the time. And they gave us our first venue for a panel discussion. And I invited the 10 women that were with me at the first dinner. And somehow the 10 women turned into 50 women that showed up at Salesforce. Wow. Um, and we got a CTO from IBM to represent on the panel, a vice president of sales from Salesforce to represent on the panel, a VP from Condé Nast, 
um, and many, many other heavy hitters. We had um, Black Enterprise representatives come to record the story. Um, it was really phenomenal. And so, and what ends up happening is after you have something like that, the next thing is, when is it going to happen again? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of just start, you realize this community needs to be served. There's so many women dropping off at the entry level because they don't feel like they can plug themselves in or see success um, plainly in front of them because they don't have anyone to look up to who you know is a black woman seller that's VP level or, or even president level. Um, and so that inspired me. I was like, well, that's not fair. I know that we can do this. And I do know that there is a club, you know, albeit a white boys club, of, um, of VPs that are making $500,000, $600,000 a year. And if we can sell um, where we are right now, what is preventing us from having you know, the opportunity to get there? And it's just, it's the matter of our network. So stronger together is how I feel that we should approach our careers. Um, and so I just kept producing events. Um, I must've done like 10 events that first year. Um, eventually Crunchbase wrote an article about me and that also like propelled us. And then I took a chance and I happened to be in San Francisco for business. And I decided to throw an event there and we'd never been in San Francisco before and 30 women. Wow. Um, the word of mouth traveled from New York to San Francisco and that was really phenomenal. And so I took all of that and I started really being strategic about the company and I rolled out a membership model and I rolled out partnership offerings and I started a conference um, that we're now doing is our third year doing this conference. And now we're about a thousand members strong, um, in 2020. And so I, I do believe that you get certain signs when you're doing the right thing you get, um, like whether it's a, a direct as an email from someone saying, you know, um, thank you. This has been really important for me and I needed this community all you know, or it could just simply be things are just working out well, like how, kind of how we chatted earlier. Um, sometimes um, even what we're doing right now, recording this together can just work without a hitch. That's kind of how it felt. Every event just went off without a hitch. And so that was enough indication for me to know that I was doing the right thing. Absolutely. And um, one of the reasons that I was so excited to talk to you about this is because when you look at things like the racial wealth gap and the income discrepancies between white men and white women and men of color and women of color, specifically black women, um, you see just it, it's it's horrific. Honestly, there's I, I don't even know that there's another word to use other than just it, it's terrible. It's 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 not it's not okay. And sales is such a potentially lucrative. Um, career for so many people that you've seen um, families built around somebody who's an excellent salesperson. And you see um, you see people across the country who are able to support an entire family on one salary of a successful salesperson. And that's not typical in a lot of different jobs anymore. Um, and you see people who maybe haven't had the amazing educational path even that you've had. Um, I've seen very successful people in sales who just had a high school education and were able to be successful and, and generate a, you know, a, a good income for their family. So, you know, to see people who are not well represented in such a wonderful field of sales, you know, I, I really believe in um, sales as something that is an excellent job to have. Um, and it's so, 
um, you contribute a lot. You contribute to your company. You contribute to your customers if you're a good salesperson. You help people, you know, get things that they need and solve problems that they have. So to see people that are that are, you know, kept out of that space or not well represented in that space um, is just is just tragic. And and it's so exciting to see that you're you're working on that. I'd love if you could share with our listeners. Um, why do you think, I know this is a big question, but why do you think um, there is that lack of representation of women of color in sales? And what are some of the challenges? Um, if you're seeing people entering at the entry level, why do you think it is that that they aren't necessarily progressing? Mm, okay. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think there are a lot of layers mm-hmm. to that. Let's see if I can answer it in different ways. Um so the first question I would say is the sales career perception in the household. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm speaking for myself um, as a Caribbean American woman that, like I mentioned earlier, sales was not a job that my parents were even discussing. It didn't even come up at all in conversation. So just lack of awareness of sales. And also you kind of get the vibe in your community that if you do say you're doing sales, that it's a negative career. So you just spoke so positively about it. And and I think you understand like all of the great benefits that come with it. That might not be the same in a different community where that's just not what we consider to be the utmost professional career out mm. there, even though it comes with so much skill set and EQ and, and so many great, important facets for a professional to have. So that's one piece. Um, it's just providing that awareness. And that is what we do as well. We have conversations about this, about why there is a bottleneck in our community for us to even think about sales being uh, a good career to begin with. Uh, the other thing is uh, the, why there are women dropping off after they get their foot in the door. Representation matters and it matters deep, like even more critical than you may think. Um, if you don't know where you're going or what the end result looks like, how could you possibly create a path to get there? If you're seeing around you that women of color are dropping off at uh, at mid-level or even lower than that, and you're a new hire and you're witnessing this drop-off, there's really nothing encouraging you to keep pushing when the job gets tough or when you go on that emotional roller coaster. So You just have to put women of color in leadership positions if you want diversity numbers to get better. Um, And so I think it's it's a bottom up and top down Mm -hmm. approach. You know, bottom up being the family needs to encourage this. This is something that should be, um, to your point, sales is a lifeblood of any organization. Uh, We should be exalting this career the same way we do for other careers we should be talking about the positive benefits of having a career in sales at the same time companies need to be promoting women of color into positions leadership positions not blocking them from becoming a manager not blocking them from becoming a vice president because that is an inspiration for every other woman of color that falls and that comes in after her uh so that's really important um I think those are the two things that I can think of right now, but I'm sure I'll think about some other points as we continue talking. Yeah. Well, and I think something else that you mentioned before that I'd like to talk about for a bit is also um, people tend to network within their own communities. 
um, for good and, you know, for, for bad, I suppose. Um, so, you know, we often, and, and, and I think this is just a natural human impulse that um, those of us with privilege need to fight against, but it, it happens. We tend to look at people like us and give them opportunities to come up behind us. And so if you're a white woman, like I am, um, I, I naturally might find affinity for white women. I might understand the challenges that they face. And so I might reach out to a young white woman and mentor her. And if I don't recognize that I, I should reach across lines of, of race and, and gender and you know sexuality and other things and mentor people who are different from me, um, you know, I'm going to create an organization that looks like me. And so, you know, as a woman, um, I can say, I see that a lot happening with men. Um, and so you'll see organizations built by men, and then they promote men and hire more men. And um, you see it just not changing. And I know, um, you know, based on rooms that I walk into, that obviously that that happens even more significantly at, at a racial level, um, where you just see that, that you know, if, if you're... Um, you're a white person um, and your entire network is white people. Uh, it, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be as a person of color, even trying to break into that network. Um, but, but it's on us as, you know, as, as hopefully allies to, um, to help support that network. But then it sounds like you're also just trying to improve and, and create um, a network of, of women of color sales professionals so that it, even if you don't have it within your company, you can find people outside your company um, maybe who are providing that, that representation of, uh, of potential success that you could achieve. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, if we can't solve it in every organization, which is a pie in the sky goal, Mm -hmm. then at least you can go into like our Slack community and paying an SVP who happens to be a woman of color at a different company and, you know, get a virtual coffee with her. I didn't know how amazing the sales career was if it weren't for this organization that I built. If I just let myself just kind of fall into, um, you know, just go with the flow, I would have never been as inspired as I am now to continue selling. There are certain conversations that happen behind closed doors, to your point, with other people that look like you. And that's where the information starts and Mm -hmm. ends. If it weren't for this network that I built, albeit selfishly because I needed that, that connection, then I probably would have given up a very long time ago. I wouldn't be sticking around if I didn't know that there was a capacity, you know, to make these salaries, to live this lifestyle, to your point, to, to provide for your family in this type of way, to provide for your household. Uh, you know, that's a really important piece of information that minorities need to know when they're looking at what they're going to be doing with their life and what track they want to pursue. Absolutely. And um, it's it's so powerful also, you know, when you look at um, at statistics, I will try to find the, the link to the data on this. Um, I just remember the story because it was so powerful. There's research that shows that in communities where women of color have um, gotten patents, like specific counties where there's a high number of women of color who have patents, over time, on an ongoing basis, you're going to continue to see more of that. And that's not just because like the children of women with patents also get patents. It just 
it bubbles up in the community and and it gets talked about and seen and it's it's contagious success is contagious and representation in so many different ways is so incredibly powerful and so when you see that there's a woman who's a vp and um a woman of color who's a vp and you see um you know, you, you get a chance maybe to talk to her one-on-one and hear a little bit about her story or maybe see her in a panel and hear her story. Um, even if you can't do that and you just see, you know, you look at her LinkedIn and you see what are the steps she took on her career. That's mm-hmm. that's exciting. And it, it, it shows you that potential. It shows you that path. And it might seem more realistic or more attainable. You know, if she did it, maybe I could do it too. Um, as opposed to just you look up and everybody above you doesn't look like you in your organization, it can feel hopeless. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's also difficult. So like you mentioned, this network transcends your organization because there's so much self-talk. It can be negative self-talk that goes into um, how a a woman of color seller or any person of color seller is about to show up and pitch in front of clients who are most likely all white Mm -hmm. And it is another important factor that we're putting in front of our community is you can talk about that here Mm -hmm. you know it might be hard for you to talk about that with your manager your manager might not understand why you have two different voices Mm -hmm. when you talk to a client versus when you're at home or why you wear your hair a certain way when you're in field sales because you know at a moment's notice you might be going to a meeting in chicago and you need to you know look a certain way because we have to um represent ourselves to the T to get the same amount of respect that a white man would from just walking in through the door. I've had so many instances of where, you know, I'm walking through the door and they're not, they don't even think I'm the sales lead Mm -hmm. or, you know, they're calling me a different name, you know, uh, a quote unquote different black name, you know, if they can't remember my name, it's just a lot of things happen not even internally at your organization, but externally. And so that support matters for managers. If they want to support their reps in that way, which is really the most authentic way they could support their reps, I encourage them to look into diversity training. Mm-hmm. I encourage them to expand their own network. Um, it's, you know, don't make your reps your teacher. Yes. Go out <laughs> and have, right? Like friends that represent all different areas of the world, um, travel more, just have more life experiences. I know I'll never forget my college roommate. It was her first time even had, she didn't even have a conversation with a black person before. And she even admitted it to me that she didn't know what to expect. And it's just, it's like, we, this is 2020. We just can't keep saying this anymore. We are now so connected more than ever. There really are no excuses for us to say that all of our friends are homogenous or all, our entire network is homogenous, especially if you're in New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, it's there's pressures coming from both sides. If managers and your listeners uh, really want to solve this problem, then I think they should make sure that they're thinking about the problem in twofold. Yeah, that's a, an incredibly powerful reminder. And I think um, for anyone who is is looking to see you know increased diversity within your team? Which, by the way, um, there are so many positive results to having a more diverse team. There's obviously just an ethical, you know, it's it's we're all responsible for improving 
um, representation and improving diversity because uh, we live in a diverse world and it's not okay to, to, like you said, it's not okay to have a homogeneous company, homogeneous network. Um, you know, that that's not, that's not a good thing. But um, when you have a more diverse group, um, you actually see improved results. You see um, companies are more financially sound. You see that they, um, you know, companies with a more diverse board um, get better earnings. Um, and that's with both gender and race. You see that when it comes to innovation, you get more ideas. And it's not just because a lot of people think, oh, I need to bring in somebody different, somebody with a different background and they'll have new ideas. And that's true. And they do, right? Um, you're not going to have, uh, you know, hopefully when you have more uh, diverse representation, you will avoid stepping into situations where you're going to get yourself in trouble because they might uh, be able to see something that you don't see that you shouldn't say or do. Um, and and they'll also potentially have ideas based on, you know, a different um, different experiences that they had growing up or different parts of their culture um, that are that are helpful. But what's interesting is when we um, when when you ex- when you interact with somebody who's different from you and when you're in a position of diversity um, as a white person, even your your you improve. And it's, it's not just that you're, you're depending on, I'm going to bring in people of color, you know, um, different, different groups, people of different nationalities, and they're just going to come in and bring all the ideas. It causes everybody to improve because it widens the way that you think and it makes you more, more thoughtful. And this is, this is not just opinion. This is actual research that shows this. And so um, it's incredibly powerful when you look at, um, when you look at a, a diverse group and a diverse organization, they come up with more ideas and they, they tend to be more, more thoughtful and they sometimes avoid um, blind spots that, that one group might have. Um, it's a really, it's a really fun thing to be a part of and to see. And, um, and so if you as a manager want to do that and you're not a person of color, um, to think about how am I learning the, the concerns of my my member, you know, my staff members who um, who are going to experience difficulties that I did not experience, and um, being empathetic and listening to them, um, but also looking. And I think this is so important that you said this, Chantel. It is not that you say, you know, Chantel, please educate me um, so I can better manage you. Now, certainly, some people might be willing to do that and and educate their managers, and that is a gift, <laughs> and that should not be an expectation. It's it's up to us. Um, to, to go out and learn and whether that's reading or, or listening to podcasts or, um, you know, just, you know, entering communities that are, that are different from yours and not depending on people to teach you and guide you. Um, because I think we can all find information for ourselves, um, rather than, you know, trying to find a, a person who's going to be responsible for educating us, especially one of our employees, because that's not your job. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I I think especially, you know, working in a professional sales environment, these companies are global companies. Even the way how uh, these companies aspire to do business with all areas of the world, just start at home, you know, start at home with understanding the reps you have on your team, the cultural differences everyone may have. If we put that much effort into understanding the cultural differences of say, groups of people we sell to in Japan, then we should be able to do that for our Asian employees in New York. 
I think that it's, it's just a matter of effort. And to your point, and one of the studies I read is on uh, Harvard Business Review is about that exactly. Uh, diverse teams perform better. Um, if everyone has a different, if everyone has the same strength and the same weaknesses, it's really easy to infiltrate that group of people, that group of sellers and take them all down because you know what they're all good at and you know what they're all bad at. Unless this group is diverse and everyone has a different opinion and everyone has a different approach, then it's harder to understand the team, the team's, uh, I guess, overall weaknesses and strengths because it's different and everyone's challenging the next person to think differently. I really do think that that's when teams do um, do thrive. And um, from being a manager myself, I can see that firsthand. It's really great when you have someone that has, especially with sales. Sales is such a fluid career, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't have someone who maybe sold Mary Kay and decided to sell technology or who sold technology, but now decides to sell pharma, like, or um, go into pharma sales. Like the fundamentals are definitely the same. Mm-hmm. These are one of the only few career tracks where the fundamentals are 1000% very similar, no matter what you sell, no matter where you go. So I think that the barrier of entry for a diverse team is very mm-hmm. low. It's up to these companies to make a decision you know, on where their sales force is going and just change it before it's too late. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, if these companies want to do it, they absolutely can do it. There's not a shortage of women of color sellers. Uh, we grew three times. Uh, we, I'm sorry, we 3X'd in one year. So I do know that these women sellers are out there. They have to be nurtured just like everyone else. And they have to know that they have to feel like they can be a part of your company's vision. So um, this is just intentional work that companies can start Mm -hmm. doing today. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that um, one great way to to when you're looking at your team, if you feel like um, you need to make some intentional uh, hiring changes when it comes to diversity, um, it is so easy in sales to transition from one industry to another um, from, you know, it's a lot of it is just um, the style of the cell. If it's a consultative type cell um, to executives, it's very easy to jump into another role where you've got a consultative type cell to executives, even if the kind of executive is different. And obviously, depending on the industry, sometimes there's a little more subject matter expertise that's necessary than another. But um, it is it is always remarkable to me how um, so many VPs of sales and sales leaders that I that I talk to feel like I need to hire somebody with extensive industry experience that has to know everything about our product and has to have an exact network in our industry. And then you see them hire that person and then they hire another person who doesn't come from their industry, maybe doesn't have all the subject matter expertise, doesn't have the same network. And I have seen both of those people be just as successful as each other. Um, it really depends on how much energy can you can you bring to that role. And, um, and, and, and there's a certain amount of both innate ability to sell as well as the foundational habits um, of, of successful selling you know, planning and execution. And um, it's a it's a really exciting um, thing to see so much opportunity for um, for growth. I agree. And I'll, and I'll just say one other thing on that. Um, I totally agree with you. You need the energy, you need the ambition uh, to be a great seller. 
I'll just say, uh, Nielsen put out a report that said the fastest growing of entrepreneurs right now are women of color. Mm. They're grow they're opening up businesses at a faster rate. They're sustaining their businesses more than any other group. It it you know I just finished watching the Madam C J Walker documentary on Netflix, which is it was really great. It's called Self Made, and it talks about like her her story. Madam C J Walker was the first American millionaire, um, saleswoman turned businesswoman turned CEO, and I I read about her. She's amazing. Yep. Yes. And so it's like I want to say we have it. You know, it's in our blood. It's in our history to do this. And we just need the opportunity and the transparency um, from our organizations to get there. So I totally agree. Um, you know, we can, you know, you, you do need that, that energy. You do need that ambition. I'm telling you, the women in my organization have all of that and more. But without the chance, we can't really prove that. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Chantel, um, this has been just uh, absolutely amazing. Um, you mentioned that documentary, um, and I, I think it's it's so important when we provide, um, you know, whether it's a, a book or, or a documentary or a TV show or anything, a recommendation for people to learn from. So do you have any books or, or other resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, sure. So there are two books. Um, one is The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um Basically, it explores stories of uh, high-profile CEOs and just overall very successful people and talks about the value of practice in terms of your profession and perfecting your craft. And I think it's really inspirational because when you strip everything aside, when you strip away the race, when you strip away um, disadvantages, you really do need to practice your craft if you want to be an exceptional salesperson. So I like to read that when I just want... Um, that type of advice. And the other book that I'm reading by Minda Hart is called The Memo. Um, It's specifically about women of color advancing in the corporate ladder. Um, And it's meant to be another, uh, like a diverse version of Lean In. Um, Mm. So I think it's worth a read um, and hopefully your listeners enjoy. Definitely. Thank you so much for those recommendations. I had not heard of the memo and I will add that to my endless list of books to read. Um, But that sounds like a really good one. Um, One thing that I think we can all do is if you look at the books that you read, um, look at the authors that you're reading and and just evaluate the diversity. Um, One of the greatest ways to um, to think with a with a broader mind and, and have a broader perspective is to improve um, the diversity of the voices that you're hearing. And um, it's something that it's very easy to be intentional about. Um, you know, sometimes you might find, um, depending on your community, um, there's not a lot of, um, it, it might be more difficult for you to engage with um, a community of people who are more diverse. I, I grew up in a very white town. There's literally, there was one black family in my entire hometown. So, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, there, there are people who are in um, very segregated communities because of the history of our country, but you can always read. Um, yeah. And it, when you read something written from a perspective of somebody who had a very different um, cultural background than you, their perspective is going to really help you understand um things that that you might not have even thought of before so it's a it's a really great way to um to learn that's a great call out thank you 
All right, um, Chantal, I have so enjoyed this conversation. If you want people to learn more about you and your work, if they're maybe interested in joining Sisters in Sales or supporting you in some way, um, where should they go? So our website is sistersinsales.com. So that's S-I-S-T-A-S-I-N-S-A-L-E-S.com. And our name, Sisters in Sales, um, is on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have, uh, if you go to the website, there's an opportunity for members to sign up as well as corporate sponsors to partner with us and get involved in our conference in September. Wonderful. So I would imagine um, if, you know, any of our listeners are in the diversity and inclusion groups within their companies, um, that might be something to, uh, to look into uh, being a sponsor. All right. Thank you so much again, Chantel, for speaking with me today. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and the resources for everything we've been talking about at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 248. Be sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. Don't forget to check out my presentation at the International Institute for Learning Leadership and Innovation Online Conference. It is live uh, online, or it's available online through June 7th, and you can use the code Frederick, which is my last name, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K, and get $10 off your registration. If you are enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And while you're there, please leave a rating or a review. That'll help more people find the show, and it lets us know what's working and where we have room to improve. Remember to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, Mark Krogan, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!